I want you to see today, as we begin, um, I don't know what thoughts were in your head as you came here this morning, but here's the picture I want to paint for us today, just for a second, and then, uh, then I'll spend a little bit of time explaining. But it's this, that, that today is a day of surrender. And what I mean by that is this, that today is a day where surrender isn't just seen as this this cool thing that you do, or even this, this hope of, of one day like having a ticket to heaven, or even surrender being, I don't want to deal with this difficulty, so God, here, here I am. But it's, it's so much more than that today. Um, so it's, it's seen in, God, everything that I am, everything that I have, everything that I do is yours. That's surrender. Today's a day of surrender not as an event, not as like today there's some event, there's some things that are happening that are on the calendar that have been on the calendar, but not as an event, as a one-time thing that happens, but as a continual, ongoing reality of your heart, an attitude that you have moment by moment, not just once. And today is a day of surrender where, where I say, God, I give you my life, and I don't want to try to play God in my own life because we have that tendency, right, where we say, God, I surrender to you, but then we like micromanage stuff and we like try to, God, I'm going to do it this way and I'm going to do it that way. And I'm not sure what you're doing here, but no, today's a day of surrender where it says, God, I'm yours and, and I'm letting go. I'm, I'm taking my hands off of myself. I'm taking my hands off of my family. I'm taking my hands off of everything. And even in the times when I'm like, God, I'm not sure what you're doing. That's, that's not really how I would have played it out if I was God. We come back to this realization of, no, I let, I let go. I surrender. God, I'm yours. Do what you will. You're God. I'm not God. And I submit to your lordship in my life. Today's a day of surrender that, that says, God, I can't do it nor do I even want to try to do it. Can you resonate with that? We, we love to try, even though we know we can't. We love to try. And it's defined not so much in like what I did yesterday, like I surrendered yesterday, but it's defined in this, what I do today based on the God of yesterday the God of promise. So today's a day of surrender. And I'm really excited about this day. I've been looking forward to this day for, for quite some time as we celebrate as a community um, what God is doing in our midst, what God is doing in particular in the lives of, of Ben and Stephanie and their family. I mean, let me just say that uh, I've really enjoyed kind of hanging out with them the past uh, several months and getting to know them and I just want to say before you that I've seen God do some incredible things in their lives uh, over the past several months. And I've watched them surrender in many ways. And we're going to see two today in particular. As they say, God, our kids are yours. And as the leader of their home says, I surrender to the Lord uh, through, through water baptism. So, um, 
Whether you guys like it or not, it's, it's Hammond Sunday. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 5. I want to do a couple things before um, I call them up here today. 2 Corinthians 5. And I'm going to read the entire chapter. So follow along with me. For we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For yes, we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for him or for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is also known to your conscience. We are not condemning ourselves to you or commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, and if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died, and we died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them, and encourage and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God, I pray in these moments that you would unleash your spirit's power to teach us the gospel and its implications on our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you realize this, uh, but, but God, here's what the gospel says. The gospel says that God, God created you to live a life of, of infinite, majestic, God-exalting, eternal pursuit of pleasure in him. Okay, but what happened is we decided, I think I have a better way. I think I have a, a better idea. And we, we've chosen to live a life of, of mundane, puny, self-exalting, endless self-utility. It's what the Bible calls the silliest exchange ever. 
And when you think about it, do you not resonate with that? It's, it's, it's silly. Okay, we were created to live for something so much bigger, and yet we've chosen to live for something so, so little. And we think we get the good end of the deal, right? We think, oh, I, I get to play a part. I get to be, I get to have a hand. I get to be God. And we're like, that's promising, right? And then we all of a sudden realize, well, hold up, wait, wait a second. I, I thought this was going to go different because the only thing it promises is our own self-destruction. I love what author Paul Tripp says. He says, we are very skilled at looking in the face of less and naming it as more. We do that all the time. We look in the face of less and we name it as more. God says, I want you to live for what's more. What I say is more, not what you say is more. I want to give you a mission and a purpose that's beyond your mortal self and looks to the immortal God. Now, you say, how in the world does this have anything to do with what we're doing today? Uh, It has everything to do with it, otherwise I wouldn't have brought it up. Um, Today, Ben and Stephanie, they want to say before the Lord and before you all, these kids, they're yours. They want to recognize these kids are a gift from the Lord. They are the Lord's. They've been entrusted to them. And so this idea of, of how the gospel affects that is, is huge. And unless we get that, we won't understand what we're about ready to communicate to one another and what we're about ready to communicate to them, okay? So I want to get really practical here for a second, okay? And, and the, the application I want to use is parenting. Imagine that, okay? So um, I want to talk about how the gospel works itself out, how this tendency to, to look at yourself and live for yourself and even parent in ways that are really selfish. And you'll find application all across the board, not just in parenting. Um, but but here's, here's what I mean. Um, the gospel, if, if you paid attention in the first part of 2 Corinthians 5, we see this idea of living for eternity. Did you see that struggle that Paul has? Like, I'm, I'm here, but but I want to be with the Lord, and, and, and how do you like live in this painful life, but yet live for eternity? So, so when we see the gospel properly, we're going to have eyes that have eternal perspective. Here's what I mean, okay? To see a fallen world and, and not expect something different. Look at verse 2 in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, for in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling." we have this tendency to expect life to work a certain way, and when it doesn't, we're like, what, what in the world? And I think seeing with eternity reminds us, no, life is broken. So when we go to parent, when we go to try to love, when we go to try to teach, when we go to try to, to live a, a certain way, it probably isn't going to function quite like it's supposed to because life is broken. So unless we try to bring redemption to it through the gospel, it's not going to work. Let me give you an illustration. Parents, you probably can identify with this. Imagine a day when you're just madly in love with your kids. And in and, and that day, you're just like, man, God, you're such a good God. And you've blessed me with these kids. And they're, they're so great. And they're just like angels in my presence. Um, and God, I just love you. And then like the next day, you literally think that these kids are workers of the devil if i can put it that way and you're just like what is going on to the point where it goes like this 
you call your husband at work like around lunchtime and you're like, you better get home early if you ever want to see these kids again. You been there? I've, I've been there, except mine came in the form of a text and I wasn't quite sure how to discern it. Um, you can't really read what's going on there. So what's happening there? It's sin. It's sin in the kids' hearts. It's sin in, in our hearts, in my heart as a parent. It's, it's brokenness that needs redemption. It needs to be restored. And so when we see with eternal eyes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to give us a hope for the future, but it's not going to let us neglect the present. I don't want to stand here before you and say, it's all about the future for these kids. It's all about like, What's going to happen? Th- because what happens then is made up what? In the here and now. So, so there's mission and purpose even now as we live. Look at verse 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Okay, so, we, so, so our courage and our hope is, is found in the idea that one day we're going to be taken from this life, right? We're going to be redeemed out of, the, out of a broken world. But here's, here's where we go wrong. Paul says we live by faith and not by sight. We switch it around. I'm going I'm to give you an example in a second. We live by sight and not by faith. Sight being the here and now, what I can see. Like you guys don't know what's coming. Like, if those of you that are joining us for lunch, you really don't have any clue what we're eating. You can maybe imagine, like, oh, it's a luau, and people are wearing, like, you know, weird skirts and lays and whatever. You know, you, you, you're, not, you're not really sure what's happening. You know what's happening right now. You're like, this guy's talking forever fast, and I can't really follow what's going on. Um, you, you see in the here and the now. Okay, imagine you're shopping in Walmart. I don't know why I picked Walmart, just a random place I picked. And imagine you're with your kids in Walmart. If you don't have kids, just imagine this. Live by faith. Um, And you're going down an aisle, and all of a sudden, we'll just say your son sees something that he wants. And he's just like, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. Look, I want that. And you're like, well, son, uh, we just got you that bike the other day, and uh, you, have, you have a lot of toys, and so it's really cool. Maybe we can get it later, but, but we're not going to get it right now. So here's what happens. In that moment, it's like the world has come to an end. Some of you have been there. It's like the world has come to an end, and that kid goes absolutely nuts. Now, you're not in the quietness of your own home. You know, where you can send him to his room. You know, you, in that moment, you want to like run to the bathroom, but you really can't do that, okay? And so the tendency in that moment is going to be this. You're going to be so angry at how embarrassed you are and how could you do this? We're in public. Don't do this to me, okay? And then begin to want to respond in a, here and now way in a you've offended me way rather than okay what's my purpose in this moment what does God have for me as a parent in this moment that we no longer parent for ourselves as we'll look at in just a second but we have a tendency to respond out of this embarrassment 
rather than, rather than this, seeing and being grieved over the sin in the heart of that child before the living God and not before you. Like we can be really selfish in that. And we can, we can run to the here and now and say, man, this kid's annoying me. Is there, what aisle are we in? Where's the duct tape? Or like, hey, what do you know? We're in the sporting goods section. There's bats. Uh, that's convenient. Um, and so we no longer can identify with what Paul says in verse 6 when he says, we are always of good courage. It's like, Paul, no, we're not. Except to be the snot out of our kids. We have good courage to do that. Okay? Some of you are like, whoa. Um, but God is still about this moment. Look at verse 18. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. As a parent, for all of us, your number one responsibility in life is to be reconciled to God. If you, if you would just narrow down your focus in life to that, and your, your number two responsibility in life is to lead others to be reconciled to God. Okay, and what's amazing, and I'll speak to you guys specifically, is that God puts these kids in our lives as a means to us being reconciled to God. They're a tool in his hand to sanctify us. As much as we like, I, don't, I wouldn't have it this way. But that, that's what he wants to do. So in that moment, when we have a tendency to, to live for ourselves in Walmart, when we want to just knock our kid out, the gospel comes along and it says, no, you have a purpose. This is your mission as a parent, as a minister of reconciliation to engage the heart of this kid. Not modify the behavior, because we're really good at that. We're really good at just like, how can I just change the behavior so that the kid will act right and the kid will keep me happy and I don't have to deal with the kid? All the while God's like, no. My calling on your life is to engage the kid at the heart level. Not at the behavior level, but at the heart level. I don't know if you've been around these type of conversations before, but right after my wife and I had our first I had conversations with people about how excited I was about this new baby and like, she's just amazing. And uh, I just tell all these stories about how blessed I was. And this is the response I got. And it made me stop talking about her. Oh, you just wait. Oh, you just wait till she's a teen. Oh, you have a girl? Oh, you just wait till she's a teenager. You got it coming to you. And I literally went home and I told Danielle, I'm like, babe, I'm just not talking about my kids anymore in front of these people. Because they just, they're like, these kids are just a burden. And I'm not saying that it's not tough at times. But, but our mission in life is to lead these young hearts and these young lives to know and love Jesus. Not just not yell and scream and act a certain way, but that it penetrate the root of their heart. That's what God has for us. And Ben, Stephanie, your role as parents is not to 
teach your kids how to behave, but to teach them and lead them to believe. And ultimately, that's, that's God's doing as you do that. And, and North Church, as, as a body, our responsibility is to come alongside them. And they're going to they're gonna come up here in just a second, and they're, they're going to make covenants to the Lord. And they're going to basically be saying, God, we need your help. And church, we need your help. And then you're going to make covenant back to them to say, we want to walk beside you. We want to support you and encourage you and love you and parent your kids with you. The church isn't the substitute for parents. It's a support. The school isn't a substitute for parents. It's a support. And we want to come alongside. We want to support you guys. Why don't you guys come on up here? Um, for the rest of you, if you guys, if you guys got one of these when you... Um, got here today, I want you to pull that out and flip it over to the back. I want to make it really clear this morning that um, this, this time right now, um, there's nothing magical about what we're about ready to do. They're going to say some words, we're going to say some words, um, and we're going to pray over, over them and over these kids. Um, this does not bring about salvation in the hearts and lives of these kids. I want to make that really clear. Okay, now we're believing that God is working in their hearts through this. But there's going to come a point when they're going to have to make their faith personal. Okay? And so, um, if you have the prayer, the, this card in front of you, I want you to take a look at it. Guys, we want to, we want to uh, covenant with you guys today. Um, it's similar to how, when you guys got married, you, you covenanted together. Um, and so I want to, I want to say this. Ben and Stephanie, do you profess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and affirm the promises of God made to you and your children in his word? If so, say we do. Will you promise to God and and this church community to live gospel-transformed lives before Boston and Kingsley? Will you promise to discipline them and show them grace? Will you instruct them by word and example in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Will you promise to pray for them and teach them to pray? If so, say, we will with God's help. Um, I want to I invite you all to participate. Um, and if, if you're here today and you want to covenant with them, I want to ask you to stand. Maybe if you're here just visiting and you don't know them, um, you know, I... If you want to stay seating, that's absolutely fine. Um, but, but take a look at the, the card that's in front of you. We want to enter into covenant with before the Lord and before Ben and Stephanie. North Church and family, will you promise in the presence of God and one another to live gospel transforms lives before Boston and Kingsley and to pray that they will in turn be transformed by the gospel? Will you love and pray for Boston and Kingsley Encouraging them and helping them to nur- and helping to nurture them in the faith. Will you assist Ben and Stephanie in fulfilling their biblical responsibilities? Hold them accountable by confronting sin. Pray for them and spur them on toward love and good deeds. If so, will you read the statement in bold at the bottom on your card with me? 
with joy and thanksgiving as Christ's church, with God's help, we promise to love, encourage, and support you as you follow Christ and parent your kids. Will you join me as we, uh, we pray over them? Papa, we come to you right now, and I thank you so much for, for this moment that you have given us. I thank you for, God, this family. God, and I thank you for the blessing that these kids are to us, the blessing that these kids are to Ben and to Stephanie. And God, we beg right now that this would be a defining moment in the life of this family. This would be a defining moment in the life of these kids. And God, that his parents, as Ben and Stephanie, come and they say, God, these kids, are, they're yours. We, we want to raise them in, in a way that honors you. We want to lead them to know you. We don't want to live and parent for ourselves. And so I've got to pray over this family and over these amazing children. Um, God, I pray that you would bring about salvation in the hearts of these kids of Boston and Kingsley. I pray that you would lead them, that your, your grace would lead them to you. And God, that they would embrace you by faith. God, I pray for Ben and for Stephanie. I pray especially for Ben as he leads this home. God, your grace over them, that they would continually be reminded of the gospel and that it would powerfully work in their lives. God, we surrender to you. We give them to you. We support them. We walk beside them. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, I, I don't think there's any better way to, to surrender your kids to the Lord than to surrender yourself to the Lord. Um, and that's what we're going to do here in a minute um, as Ben is going to be baptized. I want you to go back to 2 Corinthians 5. I want to talk about a couple things real quick. 2 Corinthians 5, I want to look at verse 14. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And we died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We define the gospel around here like this a lot. That, that I am more sinful than I ever thought possible. If you look at verse 19, 
It says that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses, their sin against them. That, that's that's the, the sin. That's the, this idea of our wretchedness, our, our depravity. I said earlier that the number one responsibility is to be reconciled to God. And the number two responsibility is to seek to reconcile others to God. But what in the heck does that mean? Reconcile? What, what does it mean to be reconciled to God? Well, if you think about the, the idea of, of reconciliation, there's something broken, there's something flawed, there's something that, that has to be fixed. But the question then becomes is what, what is broken? What is not working? What is this that we just talked about, this, this issue that Ben and Stephanie are seeking to address in their kids? Look at 15. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. It's, it's back to what I said earlier. The problem is, is I want to be my own God. I want to do what I want to do. I want to have say in my life as to what my life looks like. And I want to dethrone the almighty God. And I want to run my world. And that's, that's the result of brokenness. That's where this problem comes in. Now, be careful here. Because we'll want to run to, well, if that's so bad, then I can just be careful not to do that, right? I can kind of work really hard to exalt God and do these certain things where I'm trying to give it to the Lord and not run it myself. But here's the problem. It's not an external deal. It's, it's here. It's a heart issue. Okay, You can change the outward as much as you want, but it's never going to be lasting. Because the core of our issue is here. It's always, what, what is here is always going to, to come out. That's why Paul says in verse 17, I love this passage. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What a great description of what baptism illustrates. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I love Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean from all your uncleanness. Now there's nothing there's nothing special about this water. I believe it came from the spigot at Rick and Jen's house. Now, maybe you think that's special for some reason. And okay, but probably not. Um, there's nothing special about this water. And so when, when I dunk Ben down, and if I decide to pull him up, then the water isn't going to do anything but maybe get off what he missed when he showered this morning. It's not going to cleanse his heart. It's not. So how is his heart cleansed? I will put, I will remove your heart of stone, God says, and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my ways. It's, it's, a, it's a transaction that God, the almighty God has to do that we can know in no way do ourselves. So on the one hand, I'm more sinful than I ever thought possible, but on the other hand, I'm more accepted and loved than I ever dared 
believe. Look at verse 21. For our sake, he made him who he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the perfect God becomes a man, and what does he do? He lives the life I should have lived. He dies the death I should have died. And he says, I'm going to exchange my absolute perfection for your absolute wretchedness. Wow. Why? Why? I'm more accepted and loved than I ever dared believe. And by faith, that becomes a reality. And by faith, that became a reality in Ben's heart and in Ben's life. As God awakened his heart, there's a, there's a passage uh, on the bulletin that you got, Romans 6. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So as a believer, what happens in, in that reality of faith is that you die with Christ. Your old nature, your sinful nature is crucified with Christ, that's what's going to be symbolic as, as Ben goes under the water. It's, it's a symbol of death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And, and what a glorious picture of when he's brought up out of the water, of, of the symbol of, of resurrection, of, of life. Newness. God's power at work within him. I want to make a couple statements about what we believe as a church regarding baptism. And then I'll have Ben come up and, and share his story. Uh, we believe in believer's baptism, which means we baptize Christians. Uh, we don't baptize unbelievers because baptism is a, is a public confession that I've been identified with the, the death and resurrection of Christ. That's what it is. And so, we, we bap- so Ben's a believer, okay? And we baptize believers. It's, it's a picture of surrender and obedience, I mean, think about the surrender. I mean, Ben's about ready to get all wet. And his hair's going to get messed up, and he's going to look, he's going to be humiliated in front of all. That's a picture of surrender. That's a picture of obedience that he's demonstrating, and, and there's no greater day to do it than on the day when he says, God, take my kids. It's an outward sign, and and it's saying, church, I make this public confession before you. Walk with me in it. It's not an event. It's this continual ongoing process of I'm identified with the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And I'm raised to walk in, in newness of life. There's times Ben's not going to walk in newness of life. And we need to come to him and say, Ben, this isn't who you are. Come on, come back, come back. That's the purpose of this community. That's the purpose of you being here today. 
to celebrate this. Um, ben, let's not wait any longer. Uh, come on up here. Uh, I've met with Ben, uh, and we've talked through quite a bit about baptism and what this day means for him. And, uh, and I'd like him to kind of share uh, what's, what's brought you to this day. Um, during the North Church Covenant classes a few months ago, we were asked to write our baptism and salvation story. And uh, I was been baptized in middle school, but I wasn't writing about middle school. I was writing about three years ago. Um, it was a Sunday, and I was at the journey, and there was a lot going on in my life, and <clears throat> I wasn't happy with the way I was living. And I just felt like overwhelming conviction to repent and to be saved hmm. so I asked for forgiveness and I had so much grace and peace and I was saved that day hmm. so that's why today I want to be baptized in obedience to my Savior Amen let's go back here Well, today we have uh, the incre- incredible opportunity to witness what obedience looks like for Ben. That's hot. <laughs> yeah, they heated it up a little too much. It was supposed to be cold. You just heard Ben say that God did a work in his heart. God brought him to a place of salvation. And now Ben wants to publicly demonstrate to, to you and to me this surrender. And so Ben, uh, based on your profession of faith in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in his death, raised to walk in the power of his life. <laughs> 